Welcome to By The Way. This is Johnny Korn, by the way. And uh, with me, I have Reggie Shorter. What's up? How you doing? This is Reggie Shorter. We have producer Dave. Hey, what's up? What's up? Uh, got this going a little late last night because of our fucking amazing Twitch stream last night. <laughs> and of course, our guest today is Ira Summer. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks for doing it. Uh, where can people find your information and all that? Do you have a website or... Uh, I need a website. That's what I need to do. So if they're trying to find my comedy, I am on, uh, I'm doing the social media thing. I have a, a Facebook page, uh, which, uh, the it's summertime comedy, which is spelled summer, like the season, which is my last name, then X, then comedy. Uh, so I, uh, in my head, the X stands for times like in math. Um, and I seem to be the only person who sees that. I think so, uh, X represents the unknown. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> X factor. And clearly, uh, nobody knows I'm a comedian. So that seems to be working. I'm also, I'm also on uh, Twitter uh, with uh, at Summertime Comedy 1 and on Instagram with at Summertime Comedy 1. Um, and I'm just, I don't tweet. I don't tweet. I'm not the president. I have nobody to insult. <laughs> so I, uh, I should start doing that. But I'm putting stuff on Instagram. Uh, and uh, hopefully I'll get more as we go along. I know social media is the thing that people need to see because uh, nobody wants to connect with anybody in real life anymore. That is so true. That is true. Yes, I. Uh, by the way, my my website is johnnycorn.net. Uh, Reggie, how do people get in contact with you? You can get in contact with me the shorter than you dot com, or you can just just put my type my name in Reggie Shorter, and then other other sites will show up here. And uh, producer Dave, how do people find you? I guess now go to my Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. What we learned last night is that the night Twitch is the right Twitch. Woo. <laughs> so what's the night Twitch? It's just like uh, during the day, like a lot of people take themselves very seriously on that website and are trying to like do analysis. And since we're making fun of people who think the earth is flat, it's better for us to be on late at night. Ah, okay. So when that's daytime when, in another state, though. That's what's awesome, though. That's that's where the true believers come out. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I love the tweaks. <laughs> Absolutely. So my first question for you is, how's your finger? Uh, getting better. I got my stitches out on Friday and... Uh, I um, was able to go to the gym for the first time in uh, a couple months, um, yesterday and today. So I don't actually work out my hand, uh, but I was not allowed to sweat because it would infect the uh, for, for Reggie or the, the listeners who have not been stalking me nearly <laughs> often enough. Um, I had surgery on my left hand uh, because I broke my finger. Oh, shit. Uh, playing, playing soccer. Um, I play in an over 50 league and old people don't look before they kick. <laughs> so, uh, my hand was, uh, on the ground someplace. A ball had been earlier that day <laughs> and was moving. Oh. So, uh, somebody decided to kick it as hard as they could. They, uh, they shattered the bone that holds my, uh, my left index finger in the joint. Fuck. So, uh, I had to get that replaced. They uh, they took a little bone out from the back of my left hand uh, that the doctor told me was extra. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you got an extra bone in your hand. Extra. Yeah. Like, like, like my hand came from Ikea. Right. And, uh, and then they screwed it in, yeah. uh, I think with one of those little Allen wrenches. Uh, so, um, they, uh, they just took the stitches out. I mean, I've seen the x-rays, so I see the little, the little screw in there, uh, which on the x-rays looks huge. Ooh. Um, but, uh, but I've gone through, I've gone through the, uh, the x-ray machine or the metal detector at the airport. And I've been able to sneak the screw through. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, damn. so yeah, so enough people, uh, with body parts like this can go through the airport and then reassemble our parts into <laughs> like a robot or something. Yeah. Uh, once we get organized, uh, but the sti- so the surgery was on Halloween and then Friday the stitches came out. So, uh, the, the wounds healed enough that I don't have to worry about affecting it. So I can go back to doing things with my life. I'm, I'm doing physical therapy, uh, finger therapy, uh, which, uh, just sounds so much more impressive than me just trying to bend my finger. Uh, it makes it sound like I've got like a little weightlifting thing with that. I put my finger on <laughs> like Rocky training for your finger, like, Okay, fingers up the steps. Yeah, yes, there yes. we go. Finger therapy also sounds a bit like a euphemism for something. Right, it kind of does, right. doesn't it? The art of fig- hey, you might you might gain something from finger surgery. You know, you never know. You might know how to rub that. You know, you might have a bionic finger before long. Right. Every time you move your finger, like, right. What is the what's the the rating of this this podcast? Oh, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, okay. by David. David, it's a oh uh, no no FCC like um I don't know no, no regulations really. Just pretend you're in a bar. Yeah, exactly. don't say anything that'll make somebody really really want to punch you. Podcast. He talked about doing things with his fingers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I I need to point out. <clears throat> thank you. By the way, you did uh, off. Uh, oh, sorry, my old, that was my old show. You did grapes of laugh. <laughs> Uh, the other day, and we're going to release that uh, audio separately. But uh, you talked about your finger for it was like the funniest routine I think I've heard in years. It you talked about your finger uh, for a while there. Probably hurt like hell. Oh, I it was he was on fire the other day. <laughs> oh, pain makes the best comedy. I it, agree. Oh, I I yeah, agree. I get that. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, I will be, uh, I'll be hitting my seven year anniversary on New Year's Eve. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. So I I got on stage for the first time on New Year's Eve. Um, yeah. Well, that's uh, really easy to remember. 2012. Yeah. And, uh, did not bomb nearly as I, I did much better than I, I didn't do quite as well as I thought I did, but for the first time on stage, I think I did great and I had a blast. That's what the last, and that's what matters. Yeah. And wh- where was that? Uh, it was at the uh, the Purple Onion. Uh, oh, Kellis. okay. The Purple Onion yeah. for you listening out there. That's in San Francisco. That's big stuff. If you guys don't know, Purple Onion is a good place, a great place for comedy. So you started comedy in the Bay Area, which is great. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Now- no, I started. I started in my fifties. I, uh, I did, it was basically for me, it was a distraction at the time I had, uh, I just gone through knee surgery, uh, because getting hurt at playing sports is what I do. And, uh, so I needed to, I needed to take a break from playing soccer six nights a week. 
and uh, for a little while my body healed. And I figured, oh, uh, comedy seems like a place to meet interesting, funny people. I will try doing comedy because a friend of mine had done comedy 15 years before that. And he was great. Uh, he did it for about seven years and then he quit because uh, he moved to Denver and, uh, you know, had a life. <laughs> so question I, for you. Uh, yeah. So I, I just started doing it and I've been having a blast. Um, just a lot of fun uh, meeting some really interesting people. And um, just getting a chance to talk about things, um, you know, my family, my life, uh, things I see, and making people laugh. So that's, uh, I'm having a blast. Well, I, I can tell, and thank you so much for, um, your your comedy is, is um, really quite, if, if people have not seen you, they really need to see you. Hilarious. That's all I'm saying, you know. Um, so you have a show, uh, in Oakland and, uh, first, uh, do you, do you live in Oakland? Uh, I did. I, I just moved all the way to Alameda. Uh, oh, so far ago. away. Yeah. I, uh, when, <laughs> You're on the other side. Yeah. When, when I, uh, I got divorced about 10 years ago, moved to Oakland, uh, from Piedmont, which is the next town over and, uh, lived in Oakland until about a year ago. And uh, then my uh, my oldest son, who was living in Alameda, told me that Alameda was a much better place to live than Oakland. He ain't lying. Uh, well, well uh, so and he uh, and he, you know, and since my son was saying, oh, you should move closer to me. I moved to Alameda to be closer to my son. I mean, not like a block away from my son. That would be. Uh, yeah. Like stalkerish, like you know, like something my mother in law would do. But, um, and then a couple months after I moved, uh, my son got a job down in Mountain View and moved to Cupertino. So, uh, he tricked me into moving to Alameda. Oh, <laughs> he finessed it. Yeah. Now I, I'm just going to point out for people that don't know, um, my dad was stationed in Alameda. Um, I spent a lot of time in the East Bay. Uh, my dad moved from Omaha to Oakland when he was a child. So the East Bay has always been in my heart. Uh, just saying you know so tell us about comedy uh yeah comedy oakland comedy okay and yeah and you, you mentioned one show uh i i run i run a comedy club we do five shows a week hell yeah uh, i i produce three of them and uh the main one the the one that i i ha i i enjoy the most that most people sort of connect with me is a weekly comedy competition called the comedy machine uh and the comedy machine i Shit. i've been playing sports my whole life i've been i was a i was a mathlete in in you know high school i like that uh, i love competition um to me that forces you to focus it gives you immediate feedback on everything you're doing uh so having a we so we have a weekly comedy competition we start with eight comedians each of them does a four minute set the audience picks the four they like best those four do another four minute set the audience picks the two they like best and those two do another four minute set each uh, and the audience picks a winner and we get, um, yeah, I've been, I'm, do, I'm a, you know, part-time traveling comedian. I go all around the country. I meet people from all around the country and I basically talk them into coming and doing my show in Oakland. Uh, the comedian I've had, I've had some absolutely amazing comedians, people who have won the San Francisco international comedy competition, Seattle, uh, the world series of comedy, 
uh, you know, pros who do touring, who come in and do my little competition, and they have a blast because we have we have some of the best crowds. People come to Comedy Oakland to laugh. They come to the Comedy Machine to see a combination of up and coming comedians and pros who are just bringing their best stuff. Because if you don't bring a strong four minute set, you don't move on. I don't care who you are. Uh, you know, we've had we've had some great comedians knocked out in the first round because they thought they could just, you know, to hold their stuff back. No favoritism. No, it's the crowd does it. The crowd decides. And of the, we've been there. Uh, I've been doing that show, Comedy Oakland, now for four years, a little more than four years. So I've done uh, a little over 200 shows of the competition, uh, not quite 250, so somewhere in that range. And three shows uh, have been um, affected by one person bringing too much to the audience. All the rest are just people coming in off the streets to see comedy. So you get you get a packed house giving you honest feedback on your material. You may not like the honest feedback, but you're going to get honest feedback on the material. And that is something that is just um, so valuable in trying to take your comedy to the next level. Um, I know, I mean, I, I don't participate in the competition, but it forces me, I need to make sure that my opening set is at least as strong as any of the competitors are doing in theirs. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I'm paying attention throughout the whole thing because this is there's a lot of crowd work that I get a chance to do uh, to to keep the crowd focused, um, and it's uh, I think it's helping me become a better comedian. Yeah, I, I certainly I've done that show um, a while back, and it really is. I want to. Yeah, <laughs> can Reggie get a shot? I'll Reggie wants a shot. <laughs> Hey, that, sounds just, awesome. just, that sounds just, like I used to play college football, man. That sounds like two a days right there. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to do that. You know, so get, send, get my send me, send me, send me a message on Facebook when we're done with this, because once we're done with this, I will forget that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I respect your honesty. <laughs> you, you know, you know, as a comedy producer myself, I, I really appreciate what you do. Um, it's a lot more work to produce than people think. And to put oh, out quality. If you want to produce a high quality show with an, and have a sustainable show that keeps going on, you need a high quality product. You, you, you need to have comedians that show up and treat it like it's important. Yes. Uh, and and comedians, comedians are some of the worst people in the world. <laughs> uh, That's true. They, they are just completely unreliable. They didn't get into comedy because they wanted to, you know, show up and follow rules they thought they wouldn't have to do that so now if you want to be a professional comedian uh then the professional aspect of it of making a commitment following up on the commitment making sure you bring your best stuff whether you feel like it or not uh that's that's an important lesson for those who want to become a pro uh you know if you want want to become a pro football player you got to show up on sundays whether you feel like it that sunday or not and because you don't, that's the only chance you get. Uh, so, um, yeah. And the other aspect of running the comedy machine, and we also run showcases and I, we don't have, it's not as big a deal with the showcases, but with the comedy machine where I need eight comedians every week. Um, I, it, we're now in November and I run at the show every single week, Saturday. 
I have not had a Saturday yet this year where I did not have a comedian drop out within four days of the show. That has happened. Some, case, some cases within uh, an hour of the show. As I'm driving to the venue to get ready, I'll get a message from the comedian going, I um, don't think I'm going to make it. No excuse. Just, I don't feel like it. Pressure. And then I've got to find somebody to replace them Damn. on a moment's notice. I mean, you know, some of these are legitimate excuses. You know, I've, I've gotten people who said, oh, my, uh, you know, my kid, I had to just take him to the emergency room. And there, that's a no-brainer. Right. Family comes first. Right. Um, we had about four weeks ago a comedian who came and then started getting nauseous and said she was about to throw up and feeling sick. Oh, and just left before her set. And she left while I was on stage doing the opening, uh, you know, welcoming the crowd. Oh, wow. And getting everything started. Fortunately, I had my partner, uh, Samson Kolecker, there. And he sent out a quick message. We got somebody. Uh, Max Eddy showed up. He was a couple miles away uh, and made it to fill that person's spot and finished second that night. Um, he is he is improving leaps and bounds. And the, the, the other thing that I love about the comedy machine, because we're doing it with a lot of new comedians, is getting to see their development uh, from somebody who gets knocked out in the first round the first couple times to somebody who, you know, some of them have been winning uh, this year. This is our fourth year in um, just, you know, the amazing dramatic improvement that that I get to see for the young comedians. The comedy talent in the Bay Area is phenomenal. Um, I've had a chance to perform in 25 states uh, in the last few years, and the the talent we have here in the Bay Area matches up with the comedy talent anywhere. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Now I, I got to point out. So since you bring up uh, other areas, how does uh, the comedy scene in the Bay Area and the fans and all that? How does that compare to like some of the other cities that you have done? Or areas. Um, well, okay. I uh, I was I was working in LA during the week for three years, and that just finished in uh, in April. Uh, so I would fly down uh, every Monday, um, fly back every Friday. Uh, the you know was working with a tech startup down in the LA area, so I was performing during the week in LA, and uh, most of the crowds in LA don't pay attention. Um, that's true. They have, they have an attention span pretty close to that of our president. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> oh my God. Is that a puppy? Oh, look at that. Oh, okay. uh, so they're true. just, you know, it's they're They're looking at their phone. They are, uh, they're, they're thinking about their, you know, they're thinking about what they're doing. They're, they're looking if they're watching me on stage, they're trying to figure out what I can do to help their career, not listen to my comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I had a chance to perform in a lot. There's some amazing and the top talent in LA phenomenal. Um, I got a chance to perform at the comedy store, at the improv, at the ice house, uh, you know, all these places. Um, and the, 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 People who just walk into the comedy store is just intimidating. You know, all the people you see on TV. Right. Um, and and not just the bad people you see on TV, the good ones too. I mean, the, but the other, the other part of it in LA, you got a lot of actors and actresses who've been told by their agent that they should do stand-up comedy because it will help their career. And so 
these are these are really attractive people uh, who are just not funny. Yep. Yes. And um, so, yep. It's uh, yeah. There are there are a few of them that are funny. They've turned themselves into some pretty good comedians. Uh, but some of them just don't don't know, and they've been trying this for a while. But they don't they don't stay. They don't ask for feedback. They just do their thing and then go off to do it again without really thinking about what they're doing and getting feedback on it. So the um, yeah, I don't I I'm not a big fan of L.A. Um, the I, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, and I'm going back uh, later this week for Thanksgiving. So I'll be back there for 12 days. I'll be doing shows in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And oh, awesome! I, uh, you know, the um, it's you know, those those are my people. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I, I know my people, and my people, you know, they hate everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, I'm, I, I, I'm all peace and love, and you're saying like your your people. You're like, oh, they hate everybody. They hate everybody. It's it's not not in a discriminatory way. They hate everyone. They don't hate you because you're black. They don't hate you because you're Jewish. They don't hate everybody. you because you're Puerto Rican. They hate everybody. <laughs> Equal opportunity hater. Yeah, that's funny. This is so. Uh, when, when are you going to be back there? I'm leaving on Thursday. Oh, so soon. Uh, so soon. Yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up Hell in a week yeah. and a half. And yes. so uh, I, I'm flying in and out of Philadelphia because uh, Southwest Airlines no longer flies in and out of Newark. Uh, I have no idea why, but uh, probably because they hate me. <laughs> and so um, and then I'm driving up. I have uh, I have two brothers that live in Connecticut. So I'm going to start furthest north. My brother in Hartford. Uh, I've got a show uh, just outside New Haven that I'm doing on Saturday. Uh, Brunswick, near, Brunswick, what? New Haven, Brunswick? No, no, uh, New Haven, New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, yeah, New, new uh, Brunswick. There's, I will be staying in East Brunswick, uh, near New Brunswick, which is New Jersey. Okay, which is where Rutgers is. That's where my cousin lives, and I'll be down there doing a couple shows in New Jersey while I'm there. Nice. Uh, and in between, uh, doing got got a couple friends who were nice enough to book me at shows in New York City. And that is, uh, you know, New York, New York has some amazing comedy talent, uh, and a lot of opportunity for comedy, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people who just, you know, because there's so much talent, a lot of people get lost there. Right. Um, so, uh, because I'm coming from out of town, because I have connections, I, I lucky enough to get booked in a few places and get a chance to do some, some fun shows and have some friends come by and see me. I heard Gotham's real big out there. Is that true? Yeah, the Gotham Comedy Club is is good. There's a Broadway Comedy Club. There's mm-hmm. uh, there's Dangerfields. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield started, wow. um, and uh, it's it's still it's a, it's a big name place. Even though they're not they're not doing particularly well uh, financially right now. Um, uh, Greenwich Village Comedy Club, and then then just like the Bay Area, there are there are hundreds of shows and bars being produced by comedians who couldn't get, you know, uh, you know, regular spots at the big clubs. So they are, uh, doing spots. They're creating their own shows, creating their own thing. And some really good comedians do that doing the, the, you know, 
the more sort of independent comedy circuit. Yeah, um, like the comedy showcases is um, so for people that don't know. There are plenty of shows in in uh, bars. There's like open mics, which is a completely different thing. That's where you work on your routine. It's like a workout room. Then you have showcases, which are like uh, off the hook. Uh, comedy showcase was one. Uh, Grapes of Laugh is one. Um, you're you do uh, several. Um, so and then you have the clubs. So there's a whole like underground scene for those that are not familiar with uh, comedy. I just. Yeah, and, like and, the, and, like and com- Comedy Oakland is closer to the the comedy club side than the sort of you know the independent scene because um, we do we do five shows a week we have we have you know we show up in the listings of top comedy clubs in the Bay Area uh, on Google on Yelp uh, we were at the top for a while um, so the you know again you know, when the comedians think of us they don't think of us in the same way as they do the punchline right or the improv but the audience the crowds the east bay crowds uh would much rather come to our show um than drive into san francisco unless there's somebody absolutely phenomenal going on at the at the punchline or Cobbs. uh they'd rather they're they're out to have a good time and they they we let we make them laugh for an hour and a half uh the food is phenomenal but they're not forced to eat it we don't have a night two item minimum um, the, the alcohol is effective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it works. Uh, yeah, there's free parking on the streets after six and, uh, just, you know, you don't have to go over a bridge. It's so much easier. Well, they're going into San Francisco. There's that. And some of the best comedy, uh, is actually at, um, showcases, I feel a lot of times because like um, you get a quality producer like yourself and you put on the best and it just unfolds. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I do want to get back to the East coast though. Um, how different is the uh, audiences like in the Bay area versus like New York, New Jersey, you know, East coast. I mean, there's, and, and I've also had a chance to perform in places like, uh, like Wichita, and Little Rock. Oh, let's talk about that too. <laughs> and and that was that was a lear- big learning experience for me because uh, uh, a few years ago, uh, a lot of my material was talking about like, since I was working for a tech startup uh, and I lived in the Bay Area on the weekends. I you know I lived you know this is this is the tech world and everybody here and uh, and mostly in uh, Massachusetts area where I went to college and t- to some extent in New York. You know, they all understand. They all understand the startup world, the tech world. Uh, so my jokes revolved a lot around that and some around family. Um, but when I went to if I went to Wichita or Little Rock or uh, Boise, Idaho, um, Dayton, Ohio, they didn't get it. I mean, intellectually, they understood the words, but they it's not just a. A feeling, a natural understanding through their core. So I realized that I needed to uh, spend less time talking about that and more time talking about other things that they understood, that they connected with. So spending more time talking about talking about family, uh, talking about uh, you know, as I'm aging, talking about my health, right? Uh, talking about so yeah, so I get a chance to talk about getting hurt doing 
nothing, uh, which happens when you're in your fifties. Trust me. I know that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, these are things that everybody understands. I did a show, uh, in Chicago this summer and, and I was planning on doing one set and then I found out that, uh, the audience that night was, it was a fundraiser for the local little league. So these were all parents (laughs) of 10 year old kids. And so at that point I decided, no, I'm switching my set. I'm doing a set all related to my kids and what's happening with my kids right now and my relationship with them. Smart. And, and, oh, they connected. That was, they loved it. Well, a good comedian knows uh, the audience. I was going to say the adjustment. You got to know. Yeah. And you Mm -hmm. need to be able to adjust. And um, that's one thing I, I, I will say from what I have seen, you're, you're really good at it. Reggie's really good at it. I need to work on it. Thank you. <laughs> but um, so who, who are your uh, comedy influences? Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, Cause I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I love a lot of comedians who are performing now. A lot of comedians who performed, uh, you know, who have performed, you know, in the sixties, seventies, eighties, uh, a lot for different reasons. Um, I, I was a, I was a huge fan of Bob Knight, of Bob Newhart's yes. uh, comedy. Not, not, I mean, I, his TV stuff was good too, but his comedy, uh, but is now just, mind of Bob Newhart. Yeah. That, that was just, that was an amazing album. Yes. He, he just, you know, gets, he, he, he looks at things from a slightly different perspective. He give he, he, this is sort of the definition of, um, taking something and instead of looking at it from the the first person or the second person, it's you know looking at it as uh, you know whether it's Lincoln's scriptwriter or the the driving school instructor. <laughs> yes, uh, those those are all you know. You don't think about that when you think about the things that's going on, and he does, and that says basically, you know, if you're trying to take something and get a laugh, there are so many different ways to do it. You know, and and that's one of the things that's taken that I'm trying that I've been trying to learn as I go along, because there are some topics that I can't get I couldn't get people to laugh at 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 whatever point it was in my career, um, and you know it's frustrating because I I don't like to fail, right? But um, yeah, I finally you know people bang me over the head enough with it to say put it aside. Came back to some of it. Yeah, you know, some of it I was able to figure out how to get people to laugh. You know, two or three years later, uh, some of it still I'm not good enough yet to get people to laugh. I haven't quite figured out the right way to say it, the right way to put it. But but there are a number of jokes that I do that, you know, in my head they're really really funny, and I have to figure out the right way to to put the audience in the right frame of mind so it seems like the the joke is coming up naturally it's coming from the right voice so they're not offended um and and so yeah so sometimes most of the stuff that i do is is all true Uh, that's the nice thing about having a large dysfunctional family that loves to share it is (laughs) it's it's great um but every once in a while like i i have i have uh i have one joke um that uh where yeah, I have a lot of a lot of stuff that my mother has said over time uh, that my mother has truly said. 
Um, and so, and I, and instead of having it as one, you know, as, as a series of conversations over a five month period, I turn it into one conversation because it's easier for the audience to digest, mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of things. Um, I've taken a couple of things that my mother's husband, uh, my mother got remarried about uh, a little less than 20 years ago, um, in my backyard in Piedmont at the time. Um, and uh, so her, her current husband, um, he says some stupid stuff <laughs> and, and which is great for comedy, but every once in a while I've decided to put, you know, rather than explain who step Bob is, uh, I, uh, I just put it in my mom's voice and go with that. And, you know, I, I did, I did a show where my, one of my brothers and one of my sisters showed up and they came to me afterwards and they said, they said, is that all true? And, and I'm going, well, you know, these, these things, my mom, these things, mom really said, uh, this thing was Bob. And they go, oh yeah, that's clearly Bob. Okay. I get it now. That sounds like Bob. Um, so, you know, figuring out the right voice, figuring out how to put it in the flow so you can, uh, so you can tell the story and not offend people. So you can, um, yeah, get the audience to follow along and sort of, you know, start to visualize the, the world that you're seeing and that, you know, cause yeah, I mean, I, I was raised in a family where, uh, we were basically taught it's okay to laugh at anything yes, and everything. Um, so yeah, so my family does, we laugh at everything. Um, well, uh, that, yeah, it's the very funerals, therapeutic. Funerals are all just people having a great. I mean, we're sad, but we're laughing hysterically as we're telling stories about things, you know, things that happened. Um, so and yeah, my brothers, my kid, my sons, my sons are great. This I'm so happy that they inherited the ability to laugh at themselves. If it's funny, they're good with it. Um, the uh, yeah, my kids uh, mother. Um's family wasn't raised that way. So uh, it's, a, it's a different thing when I get together with, uh, with my, uh, the people I still consider my in-laws, uh, my ex-wife's family. They're not as quick to laugh at themselves. That's my family. My, I mean, like, I like my in my ex in laws too. The same yes. way, they're all psychiatrists. I my, understand. My family were they, they're all a bunch. Uh, I, sh I shouldn't say this. Uh, I'll say it. My 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 dad was a university professor. Uh, my mother was a, a RN, and um, you know they're ed educated but very very serious people. And so I always tried to make fun of everything my entire life. And uh, if I, I knew if I can get my mom to laugh, in particular, I, I had something go going on. But uh, I'm off topic. What I do want to talk about. By the way, the button-down mind of Bob Newhart, my dad had that album, and uh, I wore it out as a kid. I played it so many times. That and the button-down mind uh, returns, uh, those two oh, albums. Oh, yeah. Those, again, absolutely phenomenal. So so when I was young, those albums, you know, that comedy, absolutely loved it. Um, you know, and but different, you know, to be, a, to be a really good comedian, you need to have a lot of different skills. I mean, I loved, I loved Robin Williams, his energy. Uh, his ability to jump from one thing to another to connect things that you wouldn't think are connected uh, that absolutely phenomenal um, watching uh, you know just the 
you know, somebody like, like Jerry Seinfeld and how he, you know, his timing, his, you know, having just the right words, you know, part of it's the thought that right. he's got, but part of it is he, you know, he knows exactly what to say. He's, he, he epitomizes the, the ability to say things at, in as few words as possible. And that's important in comedy because it's all about like getting to the punch. You mm-hmm. have to set it up, but you have to set it up. In, in fact, saying uh, it right. Yeah, saying it correctly, saying it. Yeah. I, I, I will say this too. Uh, you were talking about like, uh, before you were talking about like, um, sometimes the, the wording's not right or whatever the case may be. I've actually had where I've had a joke, but I had nothing that relates it to anything else in my routine. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to put this joke aside and I'm going to just leave it there. And then all of a sudden a thought will come into my mind like a couple months later. I'm going, ah, that's my tie in, mm-hmm. you know, um, just, I, I have, I have notebooks actually every year. I, I now I, I start the new year with three brand new notebooks. Uh, one, one is my set list for just my shows at Comedy Oakland because I do uh, about 200 shows a year at Comedy Oakland. Right. So uh, this is just my, my sets outlining my sets at Comedy Oakland. Uh, second one is outlining my sets for every other show that I do. And I do almost 200 other shows uh, throughout the year, um, maybe a little more. So that fills up another notebook. And then I've got one where I'm working on material. So this is where I'll put my thoughts and go. And I've gone back. Same thing. It's I had something that was real. I, I that I put in one set, you know, three years into comedy, and then um, it's six years into comedy, and I'm working on something else, and I'm going, I this needs something, and then it clicks to me. Oh, I had this joke from four, three, four years ago. Let me try and find it. Um, and I'll you know I'll go through my notebooks. I'll go through videos and audios. I audio record every single set that I do, uh, and then go back and listen to them. Not as much as I should, um, but as much as I can to listen, to see, uh, both where something that I thought should get a laugh didn't and where something I didn't think should get a laugh did and try and figure out, you know, what I did differently in what I did differently in the setup, what I did differently with my energy, what I did differently with the tone. Uh, if I was better, I would do a video of it because sometimes it may just be the expression on my face that so, makes a difference. I I, I record every single um, show I do. Uh, I I video it and I do exactly the same thing. People think comedy is is easy. You just go up there and tell knock knock jokes. I was very competitive. Oh, it's 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 a whole thing and. Um, and well, just like just like sports, you got to watch. Exactly. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If you're just joining us, uh, we have Ira Summer, um, and uh, he's our guest tonight, today. Uh, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? Uh, best pace, well, if if they are looking to watch me perform, um, I I post all my shows on uh, on Facebook, both on my my personal Facebook and on uh, Summertime Comedy, uh, Summer X Comedy on Facebook. Uh, and I'm getting better about posting uh, everything on uh, Instagram, all the flyers from all the shows. Uh, what, and what's your pictures. Instagram? 
Uh, the Instagram is, uh, come on, I'm thinking about it. Can't they tell? Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, at Summer X Comedy One. Uh, my Twitter is also at Summer X Comedy One. And I'll try and say something profound on Twitter someday. I find Twitter to be the hardest because, like, yeah, uh, you have to constantly be on there. And I'm just not. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's craziness. Also, I was going to say, um, on your personal opinion, how do you feel about an Instagram comic coming around, actually comics that actually do stand-up, and they call themselves and consider themselves the stand-up comics? How do you feel about that? What's your personal opinion on that? Uh, um, if they're funny, they're funny. But and, I mean, and, if you're just in the backyard and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know, I'm the, I'm the shit now. I got 8 million views, but I've never, I've never touched the microphone, never walked across the stage. What is your it, personal opinion on that? Well, okay. As, as a producer... Mm -hmm. of comedy oakland um i i actually have been uh you know i get messages from a lot of people who want to be on our shows and i ask them you know if i haven't seen them in person um and most of them i get a chance to see in person somewhere because i do get around uh enough but um if i haven't had a chance to see them in person i ask them to send me uh, a link to a video of a set they've done and if all they've got is something in their their bathroom uh, or their backyard, and and it's not a backyard, you know, if they're not running a backyard show uh, with a real crowd, then they're not ready to perform at Comedy Oakland. Oh, trust um, me, that's true. And, and but the, th I the thing is, I mean, I one of one of the messages that I got drilled into my head this year. Uh, I was at the World Series of Comedy main event. Uh, which is the you know, top 101 comics from across the country. Hey, that's the big um, deal. And uh, there are there are bookers from all around the country coming there. Uh, and I got and a lot of them saw me, passed me. They're gonna you know I'll get a chance to tour in a lot of clubs around the country next year because of that. Congratulations. Um, but a, a few of them basically said, hey, before we book somebody to feature, not even a headline, just to feature, uh, we look at their social media. We want to see how many followers you have. We want to see what kind of, you know, what kind of social media stuff you have going on. So it is, it, it you know, there are there are parts to becoming a pro uh, that are, you know, painful and annoying. Uh, and and social media to me is not I'm not good at it at this point, uh, but I know it's important, so I'm starting to work at it. And so, you know, it's if somebody's done a job and gotten themselves a million followers, um, you know, of which at least 50 are hopefully not Russian bots. <laughs> right. Then right. They, uh, you know, they've done something right now. You know, and, and if, if their videos, if I look at their videos, I'll look at the video and if they're really hilarious, uh, but somehow, you know, still, you know, I don't know if. Comedy Oakland is the best place for them to have their first live show uh, because when you get in front of real people, if you're just used to being in front of your phone, mm -hmm. uh, it's a different thing. Well, people that are not experienced should really go do some open mics first, get used to the stage, get, get their timing down. And then approach a showcase. And I've it's actually, unfair. And it's unfair to other comics too. You know, I mean, they have those guys out there. I mean, those. You know, those phone comics, those phone video comics around everybody thinking that they're releasing little movies or something like that. And then they get on stage and they, you know, it's like, respect they, they the craft, don't quite have it. Now, now, on the other hand, if they take your show 
and they fill your you know 200 seat room so that the other comedians can get a crowd um that's you know in some ways that's very valuable yes um, very true so so there there is and i understand why some producers are just excited to book people like that but for for my for our club and for my personal development um yeah i uh you know uh, I, I I think I think yeah, it's a smart thing for them to to get a little you know a little practice in at the uh, you know <laughs> you got to play you got to play little league ball and then high school ball exactly. I really ball, appreciate your answer. And then double A, I really appreciate and then your triple answer. A. Yeah. Yes. Well. Yes. And, and I will say, as a producer myself, no walk-ons. I uh, I book I try to control the quality of my shows by booking people I'm actually a fan of. You know, uh, I, I if I admire them, I think they're uh, you know very talented. Then I'll bring them on, and I'm very very lucky that like Grapes of Laugh has the following it has, so I don't have to worry about like uh, the comedians having to do a bringer show, which I've always had a problem with, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and we I try I try really hard. I I don't like. I mean, I, I'd like to have a show that co- that comedians like to invite their friends and family to come see them. Um, but I don't book somebody with the thought that I need you to fill my seats. My job as a producer is to fill the seats. Exactly. And part of that, yes. part of that is I got to consistently bring a quality show. Now, one of the interesting things, uh, and this is part of, you know, I guess it's social media. It's about, um, public public doing publicity which is an important job for the producer to do to promote the show um my partner samson and i went through a lot of different things and you know post you know we we have pictures of the comedians and the flyers because people want to know who's there and it does bring in the you know those people's fans and lets people know what's going on especially if somebody does really well and they've seen them they want they can go back and say oh uh, that was Reggie Shorter. He's hilarious. I want to follow him and see where else he's going. But uh, we found for the main advertising that most people come to our shows because they trust Samson and me and they're there to see us and the people that we have um, sort of curated for them. They trust you're funny. So, yeah, that, that we're funny. It also means because we have people coming back regularly, not like every week, but you know, about once a month or so, um, it means I do need to to keep having my ter- material evolving. Which is again, that was the the blessing of the broken finger, yeah. uh, my son's wedding, and all the other stuff that's going on in my life right now. Um, you know, but it it means I need to quickly turn it into high quality material, and. Um, yeah, get a good set out of it and then move on to, you know, <laughs> archive it so that when I'm doing a big show someplace else, I can pull the best of the best and pull and have out, hopefully yeah. a solid 45 minutes to an hour when somebody if somebody ever lets me headline. Nice. Well, and I, I find the best comedy um, you, because you just you brought up about your life. I find the best comedy is what. Uh, you've actually gone through or your situation or um, honesty, you know, like being authentic. I, I think that's really important. And uh, the thing about the people around me right now, uh, you and Reggie, you guys are authentic as, as, as hell. I, I love that about you guys. 
Thank you, bro. I'm just saying, you know, that's what makes your comedy so good. No, no, no question there. Just a statement. <laughs> but uh, appreciate it. Yeah, I so I, yeah, I, I and I say it. I enjoy your work too, and yours too, Johnny. You know, I, I enjoy both you guys. You know, yeah, I'm, craft is. You I'm know, a little bit out there. Hey man, still sharpen, <laughs> still still sharpen, still right. So, um, so I I, I am just really kind of curious. How your siblings? How many uh, do you have? I have. Um, I've got four brothers and a sister and two stepsisters. Wow. Ooh. Wow. You okay? I have three older sisters and myself and my brother. And Reggie, I'm the youngest of three, so I'm a, I'm a little snitch. <laughs> Unfortunately, being the youngest man, you know, I, I still, I told my older brothers the other day, Ira, I said, I still put your asses in the figure four like we're little kids, bro. You know, and I'm still telling. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at, uh, man. You know, <laughs> I, I am the, I am the firstborn male. Um, Me too. My sis, my sister is uh, is a little less than a year older than I am. I have uh, three older sisters, um, Mary, Aaron, and Audrey. Uh, yes so shout out to them um i i my parents thought i'm gonna try one more time for a boy and they succeeded but what if they failed <laughs> yeah my parents thought i was a little girl they had like if you go back to my baby photos it's like pink shit in the background and like i'm like dude come on you guys like well, oh they're like a regina i'm like sorry well you know no, the, the thing about like having three older sisters you know what that means hand-me-downs Yep. So I'd have like yellow uh, corduroy pants with uh, no fly, you know, stuff. <laughs> I had a purple huffy, uh, you know, girl's bike with tassels. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's like my parents wanted me to get beaten up. Ooh. And, uh, so, Johnny, you are, you're a few years younger than I am. So you were born late 60s? Yes, I was born uh, in 69. Okay. So, yeah, my youngest brother was born that year. And, uh, so yeah so yeah the thing is like yeah in the 70s you can sort of get away with wearing some of that stuff uh (laughs) yes but yeah by the 80s um no well i actually kind of miss the 70s in a way where now you can do it now you can fit in right now (laughs) in in san francisco you can wear anything (laughs) but 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 the thing about growing up when we grew up grew up is uh free-range parenting was just called parenting yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Especially when, when you got you got six kids um, and my parents, my parents had six kids in eight years. And uh, so they could not keep track of us. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. We, they, my parents had no, I, no idea. Did, you know, did I do my homework? Didn't I do my homework? Uh, where, yeah, where was I? Yeah, I came back. I came back home when it was to, when, you know, we're at, I'm at the park playing ball. And when you can't see the ball and it's hitting you in the face, uh, that means it's too dark to play. Yep. <laughs> and it's time to go home. Yep. Or somebody cheating. It went in. Well, it went in. <laughs> it, my my it, when I was growing up is uh, here in Campbell. Uh, it was about um, come back. You you have to be home when the streetlights come on. Man. And we were gone the rest of the time, you know. But in it, but I will say this too, and maybe this is true with you as well. When I would come back home, if I did something stupid, my parents would know about it before I got home. So with, um, yeah, because my, my little brothers were snitches. And <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they know. Um, and, and the thing is, in most, in most cases, you know, my, my brothers uh, caused more trouble than I did. So I got the benefit of the doubt in most cases. Um, but, 
And and yeah, because and also as a you know, fam, family's a family's a big thing for me. Big thing, yes. big thing. Growing up, uh, and, and you know, in general, uh, I, you know, I feel like family is was bigger in you know more important in New Jersey than tends to be treated in California. Um, and that just could be the people I know. Uh, it's not a universal thing, just a general. Uh, but you know, my. You know, and and we got real weather in New Jersey, so my, my yes. real, real weather. The, Hell yes. Well, the next the next next brother down from me, Lou, uh, Lou, just he had this thing when he was little, like all through elementary school. There's a little tiny fish pond that we had at the park down the block from us, uh, which was about a foot deep and had guppies, um, and he would try fishing. And then during the <laughs> winter, he wanted to try ice fishing, um, so. He would go on to the little duck, the little tiny pond, and yeah, you know, the it, the ice would break because he wouldn't wait, and he'd be stuck in there. And I would have to fish my brother out of oh, there, hell. so he would freeze to death. Drag him up the hill back home, which means I'm in the middle of a football game. I can't play anymore because <sighs> my brother is now about to drown in frozen water that <laughs> oh, he could damn. just stand up in, but he doesn't know. And yeah, so. <sighs> It's, it's family and that's great. That's all that's, you know, so, and my parents now, you know, ideally what we, you know, and the thing is I wouldn't bring them in and hand them to my mom and go, you see what Lou did again? No, I would just bring them in. I'd, I'd toss, you know, I'd, you know, toss his stuff in the, in the washer, throw him in the bathtub change my pants so they're dry and then go right back down to the park. Yep. <laughs> yep. That was sad. Because you probably catch some of that heat, huh? Oh, yeah. It's like, why do you let your brother yep. let my brother? I'm not running my brother's life. <laughs> um, and Which is something I have to keep reminding myself even at this age, that it's not my job to run my brother's life. You ever bribe um, your little brothers not to say nothing? Um, I'm the oldest. Uh, I prefer threatening. Yeah, <laughs> see that works. When you're the oldest, see. you can do that. Oh, see, <laughs> yeah. I having three older sisters. They, they, uh, oh, they tell on me in a second. Uh, growing up, Ooh. oh yeah. Um, I, I will say this though. Like, um, I am a wimp. I, I grew up in California. I don't know if I could stand a winter where it's so cold that uh, a, a lake freezes over. That that's crazy to me. Digging your car with a shovel. Every every December, uh, they would they would flood the outfield of the baseball the field, uh, and then it would freeze, and that would become our skating rink. Um, and uh, so yeah, it would just well, and I went to college in the Boston area, uh, right next to the Charles River, and in January, uh, most Januarys you could walk across the Charles River. It was a huge shortcut to get from my dorm. And Fenway Park was closed, but if I wanted to take a shortcut to Fenway Park, I would just walk straight across the river. Uh, it's about uh, uh, half a mile. And and the thing is, it's like, you better be sure that it's completely frozen. I was going to say, how do you know completely? Oh, frozen water, that's... Well, they well, what, play you with. Do, what, what I did is there were some pretty big rocks around and I would grab one and just like fling it out as far as I could and see if it would crack or just like thud. If it thudded like it was hitting, uh, you know, concrete or asphalt, 
then it was frozen. Um, but some, I, I, I have heard tales of people who did not do something smart like that and fell in. Um, see, that's what I would be afraid of. Uh, yeah. now oh, I, was, yeah. I have a cousin in Minneapolis, uh, and you know, he goes, um, uh, ice fishing. Ice fi- thank you. I was trying to think of the word ice fishing. And to me, that's crazy. It, it just is. Well, but, I mean, the ice, the ice there is, is, you know, a foot and a half thick. And the thing is they, that you get in a little hut, you put a fire, a fire on ice. And that is somehow smart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Right. It, it seems counterintuitive, but yes, but it's, yeah, it's structurally sound. Uh, somebody survived doing that to tell another generation to try. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not my thing, uh, mostly because I'm not really into, uh, nature. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, if that's, that's what makes you happy. Go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm appreciative of nature, but I live in a city for a reason. Yeah. I can't do the cold. I love the way the cold looks, but I can't do it, though. You know, I love, <laughs> well, from the inside out, snow falling, and the, the, that's beautiful, but man. Now, the, the interesting thing is my wife's from the Caribbean, but she loves cold weather. Go figure. She's go visit. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm, yeah, I'm she, tropical. She, I don't like that. Yeah, because well, yeah, she's from a tropical country. Mm-hmm. See, I don't do that. And uh, yeah, the tropics are, are a whole different thing, but she, <laughs> it rains, it, it will rain, and then you go like, okay. Okay, it's going to stop right about now. Okay. And then you go out and do your thing. That is completely different weather than like the really cold weather. But she she uh, has uh, family in New York. And uh, she she loves going in the winter for whatever reason. But uh, New York yeah, is Thanksgiving, beautiful, man. Thanksgiving's about as, as late in the, the year as I comfortably. I mean, you know, if, I, if there's a family event, you know, my... Uh, one of my cousins had a bar mitzvah a few years back in January, so we went. But I'll go Thanksgiving, and then I'll go back in the spring. Uh, in between, you know, when you know, I am uh, as I'm sort of plotting out comedy tours for 2020. Uh, I'm not planning on going to the Midwest until spring weather comes. That's smart. Yes. Yes. I uh, actually know people in the Midwest who are telling me to get back out there. But uh, I mean, the thing I, I will, I'll tell you about audiences um, that I have found is that they're very genuine. If they like you, they like you. And the, the it, it's like um, I think people misunderstand middle America. Uh, I really do. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, how how do you find the, I, I find them to be very authentic uh, out there you know if you if you can talk about like like being out there and talking about talking about kids um, talking about something that they they understand they get that that you're one of them um, they then yeah then they will embrace you um, if you're if you're not funny uh, they won't. They won't attack you. They'll just sort of sit there and stare. They'll be very nice about not laughing. Treat you like Raider fans. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> but yeah, which is which is so different. When I'm when I'm when I'm back in New Jersey, and I'm um, part of me is looking forward to this. Uh, if if I'm not funny, they will tell me. Oh, I don't have to guess what they're thinking. 
they will let me know in no uncertain terms. Yes. And uh, and the other thing is, yeah, I tend I tend not to get very political in my comedy. Um, mostly for me. Right. Uh, I have a limit of uh, sort of two political jokes a set. If I do more than that, I start getting angry and then I start lecturing. And I, I, yeah. I, I spent five years as a college professor teaching MBAs, uh, finance that. and economics. And so I, I can lecture. I could lecture for a couple hours straight. And I don't if I get that, that's not what people come there to be told those things. They come there to laugh. So I try and limit it to two. Now, I do I do enjoy the challenge of going to uh, an overly liberal place like Berkeley and tweaking them just a little to Mm -hmm. go into Trump country and telling jokes about the president and the vice president and what they're doing and seeing if I can get them to laugh. Um, I think the liberals are a little more comfortable laughing at themselves. Some of them. Some of them are just take themselves too, way too seriously too into yeah political yeah. correctness. It's how can you say that? But again, putting it in the putting it in the right voice, the right person um, works for the 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 people who are the the Trump cultists. Um, yeah, there's no hope. <laughs> and and I don't I don't refer to them as conservatives. Conservatives have real values. Yes, uh, and Thank I can you. have a real discussion with them. But the people who are Trump cultists. They they have trouble. And, and I did uh, three years ago. I was doing a show in New Jersey. And again, my people. And I was and I had them for the first five minutes. And then I told the Trump joke that really wasn't that much of a Trump joke. And they turned on me in a moment. Um, and and it took me the rest of the set to get them back. See, so it's. You know, just knowing knowing the right the the right way to make a joke. Uh, you know, this this to me is it's not yet a, a place for me to um, to make a political point. And it's, you being fearless, I was gonna say you just being fearless enough. I were just to throw it out there. Was still, you know, that was just you being you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and yeah, and I can get away with some of that in certain places because yeah, I'm a, I'm a white male in my fifties. Um, yeah, I can get away with some stuff that some other people, you know, won't be given the opportunity to, uh, to take it back and fix it. Well, and, and that's the thing like having that's, that's white privilege and people like Mm -hmm. get all upset about it. But I know there's some things I can say, that uh reggie can't that's why i told him it last night i told him after we was coming back from the show i said i am privileged by association <laughs> associated <laughs> privilege you know what i'm saying i'm on the side of him <laughs> he's driving i could shout some stuff on the side but i know it don't mean well shit. You that's know why saying? i drive when we are on our road trips so i don't you know, get so i don't get messed with white privilege <laughs> <laughs> too many stupid ass movies out there you know what i'm saying gotta make sure i'm stay safe jeez <laughs> but um so, what uh, do you do? Any acting? I don't actually know the answer to that. Uh, I, I I don't consider myself an actor. I have because there are a lot of lot of opportunities that come up when you're doing stand up comedy for uh, for um, 
for movies and other things. I did get a couple small non-speaking parts in a few movies, a few, a couple of them that made them out to festivals. Um, not because I'm a great actor, but I have a look that, that people look at me and immediately dislike that character. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay, you, you know, so, so what you're saying is you can play a Bond villain. All you need is a cat that you can stroke. And... I, uh, and I, but I hate animals. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was cast as uh, an internal affairs officer. Um, I was cast as the, uh, the, the CEO of an evil board of directors. Um, you know, the kind of person you look at and you go, oh, he's up to something. We don't like mm-hmm. him. Uh, and so, yeah, that was that was a role. And and some of the directors said, oh, yeah, we could we could find you spots in, in so many different movies. Um, and when I was in L.A., a lot of my friends, a lot of my comedy friends were spending their days uh, going to going to uh, you know, tryouts to, yes. to get spots. And um, and I had a real job. So, uh, you know, a company that was that was paying me six figures, flying me down to L.A., paying for an apartment and flying me back. Uh, I had to show up at work every day. So so fuck the acting, huh? Well, you know, that's that's one thing I want to point out, too, is that like um, it's a lot harder to make it if you have to have a day job and you have to bring money in and you have to do comedy. And you have to do auditions. It's like finding the, the you have to give up on some opportunities just because you you need to and live. And um, it, that's when you need a benefactor. But yeah, and and the thing is, like I I really enjoy the intellectual challenge of uh, you know the the business world. Uh, I bring part of that to running Comedy Oakland, but I also you know so I I I've, I've been pulled in as CFO of a number of different startups. Uh, because I have I have a, a financial mind, I have a mathematical mind. I see things, I put things in order, and I make sure. And I have enough uh, OCD that I make sure things run the way they're supposed to. See, and that that makes you a better producer. I was going to say uh, that makes well. it awesome. I I uh, found out something about you today that you and I have in common. My my minor in college was economics, so I, I get it. Um, I do think that though that like I used to be a salesperson for a long time selling appliances wholesale to um, contractors. I find it that that those skill sets that you get uh, from whatever job you have lends itself nicely to being a producer. Uh, I I think that you can't separate the two. Uh, it it should. I mean, every you know, I I, I raised two boys who seem to be functional in the real world. You know, they're late twenties, early thirties. And my, my philosophy as a parent was focusing on teachable moments. Um, you know, my kids are going to screw up. They are my kids. Um, so genetically predisposed. (laughs) Yeah. I I tell my 11 year old the same thing. And when they do, uh, you know, I would, we would talk about it. We'd talk about, you know, what'd you do? Why'd you do it? Um, what would you do differently next time? Uh, now the thing is they're boys. So they really hated to talk. Um, yeah, actually. And, and if they did something really bad, we'd, I'd make them talk about it a lot. And every once in a while they'd give me the whole dad, can you just hit me like a real parent? 
Um, but yeah, it's it's a teachable moment. So they learn. Yeah, it's okay to make mistakes. You just don't make the same mistake over and over again. Yeah, if you make the same mistake over and yep. over, you've not learned a thing. No. And, right, and my kids are smart enough to be able to make new mistakes all the time. And that's how you become better. You make mistakes, you learn yeah. from them, you move on. As long as you move on and learn from that mistake, you know, not... Well, I had yeah. uh, this one person um, who will stay fairly genetic, uh, gen- generic here. Um, I'd, I'd give advice as a person that's done comedy for a while. And this person wouldn't take it and would say, make the same mistakes uh, on his set over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I think a certain part of me goes like, learn from wisdom, right? Like, if I have someone better known than me giving me advice, I'm going to take it. If mm-hmm. I'm like, I'd listen to my parents when they would say something and actually go, okay, they have a little bit of life. You know, they've, they've lived a life. Yep. I'm going to listen to what they have to say. And adjust accordingly. Like I was teaching well, my kiddo, six. like you and he's riding, like trying to teach him how to ride the bike. You know, we took off the training wheels and he insisted on just jumping on the bike from standstill. I'm like, no, kiddo, get a couple steps and run. After he ate it like 15 times, he got it. You know, he jumped on the bike and ran down the street a little bit, jumped on and then he learned, you know, but it took some time though. Yeah. Well, it's a big part, a big part of, of, of succeeding in anything, but especially in uh, the artistic world is the ability to to take feedback and process the feedback. Um, I don't know if you've read the book uh, Creativity Inc., uh, which is by the founder, one of the founders of Pixar. Mm. Uh, great book. Yes. Um, and and a, a big part of it is, you know, Pixar's success is the way that they uh, they give feedback and process feedback. And in comedy, that's important because if if people are not laughing, you know, it's nice to have somebody tell you, you know, th- now their solution to your problem may not be a solution that that is really fits in with your personality, your voice, um, but they are letting they're telling you something, and you need to hear what they're telling you. If they're telling you that this isn't funny, that this is bothering them for some reason, um, you have to say yes. Okay, I understand. You don't find this funny. This is bothering you. Now, it could be one simple word change. It could exactly. be uh, you know coming from a different voice. It could be your setup is right four minutes before. Um, I uh, yeah, I think I think I did. Uh, yeah, I have a joke that that I've been or a series of jokes. So some sort of a, a you know little bit that I've been working on uh, that I may have done at the Grapes of Laugh. Uh, a few days ago about uh, raising my kids and um, yeah in fact I think I think I did talk about raising raising my kids and the fact that I raised my kids differently than my parents raised me um, and uh, you know getting into this this whole thing uh, something my parents have you know especially my mother and my grandmother anytime we're sad they're trying they start trying to feed me and my, for my for my grandmother, the answer to everything was eat a brisket sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that I remember just, that. Yeah, that wasn't your saying. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, that is the solution to everything. It's if you're sad, you should eat a brisket sandwich. Uh, if you're happy, you should carry a brisket sandwich with you because uh, something's about to go wrong. And to, so, to point out, uh, we the, the grapes of laugh performance 
will be uh, released separately for the audience, just as a reminder. So look that up as a, se- a separate track, uh, I believe, right, uh, David? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's okay. That's why. That's how I figured it would too. be. Um, if and, pe- and so anyway, but as as and part of what I and, and I had that as as one thing I've been working on, and I had another part of that set where I'm talking about my son's wedding, and um, yeah, the the my mother my mother wanting great grandchildren, um, <laughs> and that and which which ends out into a discussion of cats. And I do a callback on the brisket sandwich there because it just—it was missing something. And then I realized that if I do, if I first talk about growing up mm-hmm. and establish the the concept of you know, brisket sandwich makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, what I didn't get a chance to talk about that time is <laughs> dealing with the right fact here, that yeah. uh, that my older son, my older son's vegan, oh, yeah. um, which means I don't know how he can process sadness. what do you do how do you deal with it i mean it's a good thing vegans have no feelings otherwise we'd have a big problem Hmm. but it's uh so um but yeah just coming back so going oh this needs something it's not closing right uh then realizing oh the answer uh is hearing my grandmother's voice saying here have a brisket sandwich uh, that's the solution to everything. See, and I, um, I do try out like my new material at like places like uh, Grapes of Laugh because it's my show, and I don't care. But you know, it, it, when I say that, it's like the audience is with me anyway, so I can I can venture out and be me. Um, and sometimes it works out really well. But I I get what you're saying about the. Um, writing sometimes it's just a matter of changing just a smidge just just like because yeah, even you just saying brisket sandwich you could just totally hear your grandmother going have a brisket sandwich you, you could totally hear the voice you could totally feel it every time you know I, no, I, that's I, just funny to me now if you're uh joining us this late in the podcast uh we are with ira summer uh and before we're going to be letting you go before two chair will be long but uh where can people find your info uh okay well first of all uh i i I run comedy oakland uh you can if you want to see our shows i'm there if i'm not touring around the country i am at comedy oakland every weekend Uh, you can find that at comedyoakland.com you can find my information on facebook uh my page summer is i pronounce it summertime comedy it's spelled summer s-u-m-m-e-r x comedy uh, also, you can find me on Instagram at, at summertime comedy, summer X comedy one. Or uh, when I start tweeting, I will be at, at summer X comedy one also on Twitter. And Reggie, where can they find your information? You can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter uh, at Reggie Shorter um, or just regular Reggie Shorter. Um, also, just hit me up and uh, I got my other pages. Uh, in between the line of Reggie Shore, which is another page which I definitely put up, but I haven't posted anything on there. I don't know what the hell is wrong with me, but <laughs> it was a good idea when I started, and I don't know what the hell is in between the lines. But uh, yeah, that page there and everything else, and hopefully we all could connect. I'm johnnycorden.net. Uh, all my information's up there, although I do need to update it. Uh, I have some shows I have not added yet. 
I'll get to that today. Uh, and David, so, where, Johnny, where, quick question. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, your website, uh, how did you put it together? Who, who hosts it? I, uh, it's by GoDaddy. I designed the uh, website myself. Um, I had kind of an idea of what I wanted to do because I want to make sure that everything was at people's fingertips. So like show information, clips of me from different uh, uh, like videos that I've done, like music videos or commercials or whatever. That's all there. Uh, information about me. I, I just want to make sure that, and links to social media, I want to make sure all of it was like at one spot. And the easiest uh, place I found to make a website uh without having to do it from absolute scratch you know like they have the uh templates and everything is godaddy i found them to be quite um quite good uh and easy to use so that's that's where i got mine okay because yeah I, I need i i need to put one together and uh and yeah i completely understand because we our website for comedy oakland we are constantly uh tweaking and adjusting to to make it easier for people to find the things that they want to find to make it easier for them to buy tickets just so uh getting it right so many websites are just some of them are fantastic but some of them are just awful and oh, you yeah. gotta work just too hard to do the thing you want to do and at some point you just give up well when when i created a website i knew what i as a person that goes to websites as i do i wanted to make sure that um the stuff I would like to see on other sites was on my site you know, to make sure that it was as, uh, as worth the, the visit as possible. Um, so, so there's that, uh, GoDaddy has done pretty well. I, I do find also that, um, having a, like I have johnnycorn.net because johnnycorn.com was 800 bucks. Johnnycorn.net was 1295. So I did the math. <laughs> All I'm saying is if it's like irissummer.com and someone already has it, just do .net or whatever. Or the X. The X works. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, it, it, it's like I, I, I don't know why someone thinks that I am so famous that they can buy my name on a .com uh, and – that that's just extortion. Well, at least they know that's not your real name, though. You know what I'm saying? I got people always think like, "Dude, you did not name yourself Reggie Short." I'm like, "Bitch, that's my birth name." You know what well, I'm right, saying? Right, right, not, right. You didn't name yourself. Your parents did this. I'm six two. Like I'd really say, you know what? I want to be shorter. You know what I'm saying? Like really? Like come on now. Well, and and he's so much taller than I am. Uh, so it's ironic that your name is shorter. And the short jokes just get worse and worse each yes. year too. Yeah. But uh, uh, so go to karaoke. Uh, do you have a song? Oh yeah, what do you want to hear? Uh, oh, you asking me? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Direct, yeah, directed at you. Uh, <laughs> do you have? Do you do karaoke? And what's your go-to? I, I um, I do karaoke. I am not. I'm not that good a singer. My brothers are amazing musicians. Um, absolutely fantastic. They they play they play guitar. They play other instruments. Um, yeah, they they go back. Yeah, they played in bands when they were younger. Um, one of them was on the way to getting a, a recording contract. I, uh, I am the family member who, uh, remembers all the lyrics to all the songs. Right. Um, I, I remember the wrong a good lyrics thing, to though. songs. That's a good thing. You're not mumbling yeah. and shit. You know what I'm saying? You're not going, I forgot this part. Yeah. So, but, um, and, and the thing is I, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know what key I sing in. 
Uh, I just I don't really I played drums when I was in you know junior high and high school. Uh, me too. So you don't you don't have to know what key you're in when you're playing drums. You're just playing drums. Um, so uh, you know it. Yeah, I'm happy to sing along. Uh, I'm I'm a Jersey guy, so I I happen to gravitate towards musicians uh, who who were born, who grew up in New Jersey. The yeah, the Bruce Springsteens, the the Frank Sinatras, the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Uh, yeah, um, I love Frankie Valley. The uh, yeah, so so many. So, yeah, there is, uh, yeah, Bon Jovi, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, uh, you know, old school Count Basie is from Jersey, um, Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. born in Jersey. I did um, not know that. Oh yeah. So, um, <coughs> the uh, yeah, and and my my kids who were not born in Jersey, uh, they are on their mother's side, fourth generation Californians. Uh, yeah, make fun of my uh. My, my jersey affiliation but yeah i will tend to gravitate towards uh yeah something, something the jersey devils jersey. right uh jersey devils were not uh, well okay the hockey team the new jersey devils did not exist when i was young okay uh i made i made my uh my major life choices uh deciding what teams i root for uh, as i was entering kindergarten that is a statement of who you are as a person mm-hmm uh, especially growing up in the New York metropolitan area, so I am a I'm a Yankee fan. I'm I, not a Mets fan. I am not. I have enough disappointment in my life. <laughs> now having to root I, for the Mets. Now, okay, so we have this competition. So you're you're uh, you're Yankees. I'm uh, Oakland A's and Reggie. I'm a Giants fan. See, so we we all, all three a, of us different teams. But I realize when my team is shitty, though, I'm not one of them fake fans, though. You know, when my team oh, is bad, well, I, am, I, I am admit a, my I team a, is bad. I'm a New York Knicks fan. I have been a New York Knicks fan. Patrick Ewing missed that layup. Well, <laughs> back back since the 60s and 70s. But right now, the New York Knicks are the worst franchise in professional sports. <sighs> I can recognize that. Now, it tears me up inside. Uh, and the thing is, you know, living out here in Warriors country, especially the last few years. We're going to be bad this year. We're going to be pretty bad this year. This is, I, um, I mean, okay, they're not going to have a great record this year. But I believe in Steve Kerr. Right. I believe Steve Kerr is a really talented coach. Um, some of the stuff that he was able to do with all the injuries last year and still finish off finish off the Rockets and get through Portland. And, you know, he gets his players ready to play, knowing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, knowing how they need to play together. It's those guards, man. You got you know, you to funnel those guards right, you know. Th- those guards over there, they have to – they live or die by the guard, you know? Yeah. So, and, and yeah, the thing is right now, and, and yeah, this year, this year, the Warriors have just been hit with injury after injury after injury after injury after injury. I mean, a broken hand, Ira, are you serious? Right before my fantasy, for real? <laughs> right after the draft. Yeah. Damn. And, uh, and then, and then D'Angelo Russell going out for a few weeks now and Draymond and the whole thing. So, but. Clay's not going to be believe- back till March. I believe that that Kurt Kurt you, you're starting to see the the rookies the new players starting to develop and I think they're going to develop in you know a style of Warriors basketball so next year when Clay and Curry and Draymond are back when D'Angelo Russell 
is playing again. Uh, when they get a high pick in the draft, um, everybody healthy, then they will be playing together. And the new guys, the Eric Pascal and, uh, and yeah, the, the, the young guys who are, who are going right now, the, the Marcus Chris, all of those, they will develop into the kind of players that, yeah, you know, none of them is really a, an Andre Iguodala. That was just a, you know, an amazing thing that the Warriors were able to get, but they can turn into Sean Livingston's mm-hmm. and uh, the kind of guys who are really valuable. We should have kept Ig, Ira. We should have kept Ig, man. Ig was balling for us, man. Veteran. He, he well, first of all, uh, he is, and while he is twenty years younger than I am, he is old from basketball years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is still valuable, but they needed to they needed to get him in order to be able to get D'Angelo Russell fit him on the roster. Uh, and I think they're going to ultimately trade D'Angelo Russell away because he's just too short to play the kind of defense. Hell yes. Hell yeah. So for those of, uh, that are just joining us, uh, this is Sports Center. Sorry. This took a turn. Also, now, you, now you're starting to understand my two political joke per set rule because <laughs> – once I start getting into something, I, yeah, I keep talking. So no, no which is great. I I'm very talkative. My Rex bad, is very man. talkative. I know my bad, man. Um, you know, it, it's all good. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, so thank you very much for for being uh, our guest uh, tonight. And uh, one one more plug for your social media people finding you stuff. Okay, uh, yeah, if you want to see me perform comedy, uh, which is what I do when I'm not uh, ranting about sports, uh, <laughs> you, 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 can, you can usually find me most weekends at Comedy Oakland, which is at ComedyOakland.com. Uh, and if you want to find out where I am around the Bay Area or around the country, uh, you, you can, I'll have most of the information uh, posted on Facebook, on my Facebook comedy page, which is Summer X Comedy. Uh, which I pronounce summertime comedy, like it's math, um, or on Instagram at summerxcomedy1, uh, and hopefully someday on Twitter at summerxcomedy1. And if you uh, get a website, let me know, and I'll make sure that Echo Bucks knows and, about and it. And it'll be, oh, it'll be an amazing website, the best website ever. Oh, it'll have, like, clicks and things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Reggie, where can people find you? You can find me at Reggie Shorter, ReggieShorter.com, uh, ShorterThanYou.com. You can find me on my Facebook all the time at Reggie Shorter, Instagram, just Reggie Shorter, and pretty much just everything else at Reggie Shorter, and yes, that is my real name. Do, do either one of you have a hashtag that uh, you use when you post stuff? Uh, I I don't really have one that focuses just on me. I do a lot, or I, I, I post a lot of stuff with hashtag comedy, um, just because I think people like yeah. looking for funny stuff on hashtag comedy. Yeah. And depending on where I am, um, yeah, it might be hashtag Oakland, might be hashtag San Jose, uh, just to, yeah, so people can find it. But. I, I don't really have one that uh, really, really means something to me yet. Me what I, what I, I do is I do uh, hashtag Johnny Corn. 
Uh, so if people are looking to see where I am, they can hashtag it and it, it pops up. Uh, my website is johnnycorn.net. Uh, Ira, it's been awesome. We are going to have a separate uh, audio track of your stand-up over at uh, Grapes of Laugh, which was performed, uh, what, two days ago? Uh, so if you in the audience are interested, that will be posted shortly. I uh, thank you so much for, for being with us. And, and I'm coming back to Grapes of Laughs. Yes, uh, January. Hell yeah. You're going to be headlining, actually. Yeah. So I need I need to yeah have my family do more stuff. Yes, uh, exactly. January twenty twenty. Jan- January 9th. Yep. Uh, I will be back. That is, uh, yeah, my uh, my my sister, my ex wife's sister's birthday, and she lives nearby. I will try and bring her down to celebrate oh, her awesome. birthday with us. Cool. Yes. Yes. Uh, bring her to downtown Campbell. Yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I thank you uh, for being with us. Uh, join us uh, January 2020 for um, if if you're anywhere in the universe close to Campbell, uh, come on over. Uh, San Jose, San Francisco. Hey, it's not much of a drive. Well, it is in rush hour, but do it anyway. Uh, it's a short flight from New Jersey. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, or so thank you very much for for being with us good speaking to you yes yeah yes. reggie message me let's get you up to comedy oakland okay thank you thank you so much for being with us ira have a great tomorrow and Thanks. uh you thank too. you bye right, bye-bye bye little baby you were brought here through a miracle and a broken condom I didn't know sperm carried knives and somehow you got by the IUD the diaphragm the spermicide and a morning after pill but if daddy hadn't been so drunk and mommy hadn't run out of batteries if daddy pulled out on time Instead of thinking about Angelina Jolie Then baby you wouldn't be here You'd have been wiped up with a towel between your buns will you be a great man who brings peace to all the land or the type of guy that lures kids into a big white cargo van since you're pretty scary I'm really glad that you're not mine and I guess I'm pretty happy that your mommy cheated on me this time so go ahead and be 
Just as evil as you wanna be Hell yes, I dodged that bullet and I'm free